This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Field Notes brand. USA made memo books and other products, including seasonal limited editions. Visit fieldnotesbrand.com or 400 North May. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is the effervescent Brendan Dowling, and he talked to me about his love of mysteries, novels, television, film. It was a total delight. I was a little over my head where the novel stuff was concerned. I'm not super well-read and definitely not in the realm of uh, mystery, but we did get some Encyclopedia Brown talk in there, and that I have a little bit of background in. I love talking to him about the Westing game, one of his favorite books as a kid. And uh, we spent a decent amount of time talking about the fact that someone lied to him and told him there's a Westing game movie. And then when I was kind of doing, looking up some things to put in the notes, I realized that there is a made for TV version of a Westing game movie. So I don't know. I, I, Brendan can't know about it. He didn't say anything about it during the recording. I will say it does not look very good just on the surface on the IMDb page, but Louis Arquette, father of Patricia and David, is in it. So I'm, it's got some kind of a name attached to it. I don't know. Maybe check it out. Maybe just read the book and uh, kind of just accept that that's probably the best version of it. I, I would say that this talk kind of ranged... We started out um, at Brennan's Love of Mystery, a PBS series that kind of got him into uh, mysteries in the first place and landed at the end at uh, talking about The Good Wife, his one of his current uh, TV obsessions. So I thought that was a fun range and covered we covered a ton of things in between and it was a total delight. And the guy brought me a bottle of wine. He was essentially doing me a favor by doing this silly thing that I have. What a what a class act. Couldn't get over that. Nice dude. Funny guy. Have uh, looked up to him as an improviser for a long time. So this was a real uh, treat for me. And now a treat for you. Passing it on. You know, just sharing the love. Uh, speaking of sharing the love, I want to share the love for another uh, show in the Chicago Podcast Co-op uh, that you may enjoy if you enjoy this particular episode. Uh, it's called Blurry Photos. It humorously sheds light on the shadowy topics of the world from cryptozoology and the paranormal to conspiracies and the unexplained. Dave and David want you to learn something weird. So if you're into uh, mysteries and the uncovering and solving uh, thereof, uh, or therein, I don't know, I don't know what the, the proper term there is, check out Blurry Photos, and uh, quick performance type plugs, as always, Thursday nights at the Annoyance at 9.30, the Fishbowl, the team I am on site unseen hosts that, if you are an Annoyance student in particular, you can come and put your Annoyance student ID into the Fishbowl, 
and get a chance to play with some performers and teachers at the theater. If you're not an Anoya student, you can still come check it out. It's a pretty good show. I'm very biased, as I am a part of it. If you are uh, someone who lives in the Seattle area, or who will be there for PAX Prime next week, come check out the Nerdalogs at those shows. That is all I will say about it, because that just can't apply to too many people listening to this. I think that's all I've got. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy Brennan Dowling talking um like trying to uh understand where someone else is coming from without knowing what their perspective actually is and you're only getting what they give you oh right yeah i'm trying to think like and then i guess you need to rely on other people filling you in yeah like <laughs> sure hey you actually know that so and so like here's what's going on in their life right like, oh i'm an idiot that's like, so true yeah because there's definitely times where i've been like oh this person is insufferable and then you find out like all the stuff about their life and it's like well seems like they're doing the best they can (laughs) yeah Uh, and not to play both sides of the coin and then sometimes you're like yeah but at a certain point you have to get over it like (laughs) you know you can't say that to me i was thinking that too yeah like just you there's a there's a line right right and uh I think, but I do think we'd all probably benefit from everyone trying to give a little bit mm-hmm. more of the benefit of the doubt and not just the like people who aren't going through yeah. the worst, yeah. you know, portions of their lives. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard interacting with I know. humans it's hard on being a daily me. basis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also think there's a, that like, I don't know if it's a current trend, but you see all that stuff like here's why it's hard to be a blank like yes um and like not to pick but like an introvert or uh yes you know a working mom a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. like a and i think it's probably giving voice to maybe a population that hasn't had their thing sure but then part of me is like it's hard to be everybody you yes. know like yes no one's got it easy except you know one person <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a really good point too and i also think that uh like if it is a universal like difficulty in which case i feel like we could all be able to kind of like band together yeah. instead of like right guys it's harder to be me than it is to be yeah, you i know <laughs> yeah like let's have a competition <laughs> uh my guest today is brendan dowling i couldn't be more excited that he's here uh, and he's going to talk to me about his love of mysteries. Dun, dun, dun. Speaking of all the mysteries of life uh, uh, and human interaction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I think that's also, you know, to bounce off what we were saying before, I think that's part of one of the things I like about mysteries. Cool. Is because there's that, that cliche of like, in this town, nothing's like it seems or whatever. Yeah. And like, I think mysteries are a fun genre to approach you know, like, hey, what is going behind closed doors and what are people going through? Sure. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I uh, wouldn't have thought of it as a tie-in like that. What do you think the origin of your love for mysteries was? Well, I th- I was a kid in the 80s, and I feel like that was a big boon for um, for mysteries. Like, the, uh, um, there was that show on PBS, Mystery. Um, okay. And, like, so they had all the... Like Agatha Christie, Miss Marple, and uh, Hercule Poirot, uh, 
on as like from the BBC adaptations and the Miss Marple ones with Joan Hickson are fantastic. Really? Like, yeah. So they were just like a conglomeration of a bunch of different. Um, yeah, it's pretty much I think the way it works now where BBC like produces them mm. and then they get put on PBS and sure. But there's the Miss Marple ones. There's this actress Joan Hickson who plays Miss Marple and she's 85 years old <laughs> and she <laughs> destroys it. She's so good. <laughs> and like if you have any preconception of like Miss Marple as like this dithering old lady or uh-huh. she is, um, she it's just like a it's just a well acted piece of um televised drama if you will uh-huh. and I, d- I do remember watching one there's one called a murder is announced um <laughs> which was like that's probably one of my favorite like just for nostalgia reasons alone because i was blown away by the ending when sure. i when i watched it and uh-huh. um and and agatha christie books i think their general uh criticism is that they're uh, puzzle pieces you know there's no character it's just like she's a master of or mistress of plot and she's just able to move all these um pawns around the chessboard effortlessly okay. and there's not a lot of character character development sure um, okay so okay. Th- th- it's always like two character discrete like the um the uptight you know uh like the blustering colonel right. uh, who drinks too much, the uh, spinster maid who is looking furtively, like longingly at the you know German chauffeur. Or right. But um, and that's all you really get. There's he, a, all the interaction between them is just kind of like laying uh, groundwork for the all the exactly, stuff. and yeah. then like and all the reveals that kind of come out of nowhere. Um, oh sure, it's like, like okay, you retconned this, mm-hmm. Agatha. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what retcon means, but it sounds good. <laughs> um, it's it's like, like the concept of going back and saying something that like was uh, true all along. Like, um, oh, okay. Someone like George Lucas gets accused of retconning mm-hmm. a lot. Like Guido shot first. Yeah, yeah okay, and so. and even like, um, oh, you, did you really uh, establish that Luke and Leia were siblings I, the I whole time? You. Things like that. Yeah. Um, that is someone to be accused of of retcon oh, in I that situation. Something. Yeah. Um. Oh, but A Murder is Announced, that's, like, where, uh, that has a bunch of tropes that I think now are my favorite things. Um, it involves someone taking over someone else's identity, yes. you know, for, like, 40 years. Right. Um, <laughs> it involves something, like, a crime from 20 years earlier playing on the present. Ooh. Um, and so it's about uh, this small English village where uh, one day the... Um, there's an announcement in the paper of like a murder is going to take murder place. Murder was announced. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, <laughs> Wait, it's in the title. Wait, it's going to take place. Yeah, a murder will oh, take place hilarious. at. I forget what the character's name is. It's like Charlotte at Charlotte blah blah blah's house uh, at um, at six p.m. on Saturday. And so it's like, like early edition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kyle Chandler yeah, is getting yes, his paper. Yes. Um, and be like, all right, I'll help you, Charlotte. Yeah, uh, exactly. And then, and so like. And it, it's such a small village. Everyone just shows up because they're so bored. And they're mm-hmm. like, who would ever do this? They're like, poor Charlotte. She's a charming old lady. Especially in such an odd public way. I know, yeah. <laughs> and then someone does get murdered. and and uh, But not Charlotte. No, no, not Charlotte. Just um, at her house. Yeah. And so that's like, they were, I just looked for it the other day. It used to be on Netflix streaming. Now it's back to the Joan Hicks and Miss Marples are on um, DVD only on Netflix. Uh. Uh, but I just remember thinking I was blown away by 
the reveal. Uh-huh. Like the lady who plays Charlotte, in my opinion, kills it. Uh, like, <laughs> and you know when you watch something when you're little and you just, and then you come back to it at life and like, really? Like, Does not mm, hold up. The Goonies is okay, I guess. Oh, uh, that is a big example. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think even when I saw the Goonies, I wasn't sold on it for one reason or another. But I think I just convinced myself yeah, it was better because yeah. everyone loves the Goonies. This is what we deserve. It's yeah. it's not that good, guys. I know. It's such a bummer. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I feel like this one hold held up as well. That's um, awesome. So, yeah, and so I think for, like, I, w- I read, like, a lot of Agatha Christie. Oh, and I I think probably the first mystery I read was this book, The Western Game by Ellen Raskin. Okay. Um, which I, I feel like has a... Did you start reading uh, mysteries, like, after you got into this mystery series? I think or? it happened concurrently. Well, you know, it probably happened a little earlier. I would read, um, there was a series, The Happy Hollisters, mm-hmm. which was from the same publisher as... It was basically, like... Um, uh, setting you up for Nancy Drew and, Har- and the Hardy Boys. Oh. Like, if you're not ready for, you know. That's funny. Yeah. So it's like five kids, and they were all from like ages four to 13, I think. That's so funny. The Hollister family, and then they would solve mysteries on their family vacation. That and sounds stuff. great. Yeah. And they were written probably in the 50s, and um, I've, I don't think I've ever reread any of them, and none of them. I read all of them, I loved them. Like I was never very interested in Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew. Yeah, those I the, I kind of miss those too. Yeah. I think my brother did some of the Hardy Boys, but I did like Encyclopedia Brown. Oh yes, and Encyclopedia Brown is great too. And maybe this is another thing about mysteries is where like Encyclopedia Brown taught me some things. Like I can't remember. It it kind of teaches you like um, social. Like mores a, of the night. Awareness. Na- yeah. yeah, but uh, I set it up incorrectly. But, like, I can't remember the actual crimes, but I do remember, like, a woman's blouse buttons right to left and a man's oh, bro- blouse. That, well, I meant sure, like, yes. Um, sure. So all, you, be, that's, like, the way that he would solve mysteries yeah. is by knowing, like, little... And I think that things that were probably true in the whenever they were written, was it, was it like, the probably the 60s, right? Uh, that sounds 60s. right, yeah. Um, and then by the time, 20 years later, I don't... Uh, was it as universally true? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't... Are women's and men's shirts buttoned differently? I think they still do, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But they, there's one where... Because um, I have some men's shirts, uh, just okay. because who cares? Like, they look like the others. They're just yeah. button-downs. <laughs> um, and uh, I always know which ones are which yeah. because of the buttons. Oh, okay. Yeah. In my mind, I thought, like, that doesn't happen anymore. Is it, to be. It's so, but it is a weird, you would think it doesn't happen anymore. Right. It's right. a weird, uh, it's, I believe it is a, uh, um, lingering thing from when women were dressed by other people more often oh. than men were or vice versa. Mm-hmm. One, one gender was dressed by other people. So the buttons were put in a way that would make it easier to do as someone yeah. else, uh, dressing that person. That has to be people were dressing women because I feel like because it still means that like someone has a harder time right that's kind of what I would yeah. think too but uh, yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah but in like yeah and there was there's one where like 
the person is cutting their fingernails after they were taking a bath. They're like, I just came out of the bath. And they're cutting their fingernails. And it's like, you would never cut your fingernails after, after the bath. After a bath. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, so funny. The humidity would make the fingernails tear. Yeah. So there's all that like, weird <laughs> trivia that I have stuck in my brain. That's hilarious. Yeah, I could totally, because it's like Labrie. Pedia Brown was so he's almost like a Holmes character like a Sherlock yeah. Holmes type of like his mystery solving was had to do with like human nature yes <laughs> yeah um yeah and it, they're fun to read now too because they're just wackadoodle sentences mm -hmm. stuck in the middle um I think I my nephews were reading them last summer I want to really? say or, and they're they're stuff there's something about like an a movie star is um shooting a movie in Idaville and, <laughs> <laughs> and Mr. Holm and Mr. Brown is like, or officer Brown to respect his title. <laughs> He's like, actresses are needy people. And so like, I mean, it's That's like, so they're funny. hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> it's what drives them uh, to yeah. do what they do. They need the attention. <laughs> That's so funny. Mm. They wouldn't have known. And that's why the coin said the second battle of Bull Run. <laughs> but yeah, they, but I think then there was this book, The Western Game by Ellen Raskin, which I'll read like, I think I read probably every year in elementary school. Really? I, I probably read it a little too young and then I kept reading it like a little too old because it, it was just the best. Like I did not see the ending coming. It's super satisfying and it's an ensemble and there's no real... I don't want to spoil it, but like, there's no <laughs> real bad person. It's uh -huh. just all—it's all about like this group of strangers who uh, live in this high-rise right off Lake Michigan, I think. And, oh wow! Um, uh, yeah, in in Milwaukee, and they've all been invited to buy a place, and then they all are invited by this mysterious millionaire, oh, sure. Westing Samuel Westing, and then they each get paired up with someone that they have nothing in common with, and they. Um, have to solve the Westing game, and whoever wins is going to win his, um, will be the heir to his million dollar fortune. And so it's, and it was written, I think, in the like 73 maybe. So it's like, um, like a, it's a mad, 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 mad. Yes. Kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. But in a house. Right. And um, also, it's so funny to me that you've read it that many times. Like, I to me, a mystery is like, oh well, I know who did it. Like, right? Close. Yeah, they don't really reward rereading. Um, but I think this one, they're kind of unlike Agatha Christie. There's a lot of character development, oh, and cool. um, each character takes a journey. And then there's also like another thing that I love in mystery slash books in general there's an epilogue like where it's like 20 years later so mm. you see oh cool because the main protagonist is this um not on the board <laughs> la croix <laughs> for our listeners mary beth almost spilled la croix i water knocked my la croix um oh but like so the main character is this 11 year old girl turtle who's oh i love that oh my gosh she's the best <laughs> and she's um, i love that already <laughs> she's uh i want to can, can we swear oh yeah yeah she's an asshole you like, say I mean, she's, she's like fuck a, you want <laughs> well, I, I shouldn't say she's an asshole she's like a really angry kid her um her mom has does not know how to doesn't have anything in common with her mm. and like um and she has this older beautiful sister angela oh, of um, course. Who, yeah and so and um and she 
I mean, with, just a, doesn't conform. with a name like Turtle, mm-hmm, what know, were they yeah. expecting? No, I, and I think there's a reason behind <laughs> I'm it. I'm sure yeah. it's a nickname. Yes. Uh, um, and so, <laughs> but yeah, and so each of the characters, and they, she also sets up like, one of them was an, one of them was a arsonist. One of them was a bomb maker. Oh. One of them was, a, one of them was not who they said they were. One of them was a blah, blah, blah. Um, and so but you don't know who is who. until the very end. That's yeah. cool. And so all everyone has a secret layer, and then they all kind of form these cool friendships with each other, which I think in elementary school, I probably that was like the stuff that I gravitated cool. towards. Sure. Where it's like oddballs becoming friends and sure. like becoming better people. That um, makes a lot of sense, though. That that you know, I mean, I'm like you said, you've taken in a lot of other mystery stuff and. Uh, for that to be the thing I, that sounds more interesting to me as someone who isn't like uh i don't think it's that i don't like mysteries i've just never had a particular draw mm-hmm. to it but i do always i'm very drawn to like character pieces and yeah. uh relationships between characters so that sounds cool yeah it's um mm. and i also was remembering like in third grade on the bus my Next door neighbor's older brother was like, "Oh, you're reading the Western game? They made that into a movie," and I got so overly excited. Like, and I, I hope that I contained it, but like that would have been like telling me like, "Oh, yeah, like, Disney World's gonna be in your backyard." Yeah, you know, exactly. Like I was, <laughs> could I was like overjoyed, and then I ran home and, um, you know, our video store. This was like you know in the '80s, so it was way before the internet. Like our uh-huh. video store. Had, gave us a catalog of like all their movies and stuff that you would they'd update every month uh-huh. and i like frantically went through it and i realized he had just been lying to oh, me oh no <laughs> yeah. and it's like i just remember being so what a specific cruel thing I to know. do <laughs> he knew me pretty well so i think he was like i think he knew i know how to hurt him yeah oh yeah it was made into a movie like, right <laughs> Like, he'd probably seen you reading it yeah. another time before that. Yeah, he's like, mm, I know two things that little Brendan Dowling likes. It's <laughs> movies in the Western game. game. <laughs> it's filmed adaptations <laughs> of young adult classics. And I am going to use yeah. this cruel Venn diagram <laughs> against him. <laughs> oh, God. And I, thinking about it now, it's such a funny bit to do because it was like obviously a spur of the moment that is that's what i was thinking like that's kind of a genius joke to make for a kid (laughs) because he has known it's so unnecessary it's like it it was just tossed away like oh yeah they they made that into a movie yeah it's like oh man (laughs) so what are you doing after school yeah (laughs) (laughs) and he didn't even bother going into like any other details about it and i think that's what made me mad (laughs) later i was like such an idiot, Brendan. <laughs> Stupid. Don't ever trust anybody. I try to think of like I was trying to think of like a funny person who played Turtle, like yeah. an actress of the who age. Would have been, it would have been like Faruja Balk. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but oh, I've I've cast. You've thought about it. Uh, yeah. You've thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> that name didn't come from nowhere. Uh, yeah, but I, I was like, you should have just asked him, like, who was in the movie, right? If that would put um, him on the spot. Yeah. yeah. Wally Swanson would have been two steps ahead of me. <laughs> Wally. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it is funny though that I feel like that is also a very human thing to um, accept, accept something at face value mm-hmm. because like why would someone have a reason to lie to you? Yeah, why would you make up a movie adaptation of and the Western game? And then when you find out it's a lie, <laughs> yeah. you're more angry at yourself mm-hmm. than you are at the person. It's I'm sh- I'm sure it's you know that's why fool me once, fool me twice became right, a, right. a saying. But at the same time, like. He lied to you. <laughs> no, fool, fool me once. Shame on you. Yeah. You lied to me. <laughs> but I think that it, that was his role as, like, the older brother. He, he sure. would always just, like, you know, be the voice of authority and mess with us. That's so um, funny. Um, so how do you feel, like, uh, as the, like, because we've talked a lot about things that you liked when you were younger yeah, that yeah. you got into that were kind of your gateway into mm-hmm. it. Um, so, you know, in your, has this been something that has been a constant throughout your life? Do you think? I think so. I mean, I bet I come back to them. I don't consciously think about, about reading a mystery, but, Mm -hmm. um, and I bet there have been long stretches of times when I didn't read them at all, or there are like probably some books that, um, like the secret history is one of my favorite books by Donna Tartt and, I don't know if you'd call that that. I mean, that is a literary mystery, but it probably mm-hmm. people wouldn't. Nece- I don't know if people would necessarily classify it as a mystery mm-hmm. or um, like look at it in the same way as um, they don't think of her as the same way as like other mystery authors like Raymond Chandler or um, Laura Lippman or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. But I they are kind of my comfort food. You know, if nice. I um, if I just want like something fun to read, mm-hmm. um, I'll read a mystery. That is, I'd read young adult books. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> like, I just love, if I want, if I'm looking for something to read just purely out of, you know, comfort food, uh, mm-hmm. it's a good way to put it. Like, I've read all those John Green books. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. good. And I'm like, man, I would have loved these as a young person. And they're well-written enough that yeah. I enjoy them now. And they're quick reads. So. Have you ever read Rainbow Rowell? Is that No. I think you, she wrote this book, um... Eleanor and Park, I want to say. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's about this um, super poor kid and uh, girl, uh, Eleanor, and then her friendship with uh, this Korean-American boy, Park, in, like, 1980s Kansas. Oh, and it's, cool. It, it's so great because it also um, – I don't. I don't think I finished it because I was too stressed out by it. <laughs> really? Because her her home life is terrible oh. in the book, and it's just so real in terms of like, um, and she she's poor. I think her her mom's boyfriend is abusive. Oh but she, boy! But her, she also has all these younger bro- brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and it's like, even if you get out of that household like there are still four people that you love the most in the world who still have to live every yeah stuck there yeah yeah it's crazy how brutal some young adult things can be and i guess it's good in some ways yeah for exposing the darker side of uh but i I also think that there's also a, a huge segment of the like kid population is like yeah that's what life is. Oh, oh, a sh- shitty mom boyfriend. Yeah, I know what that is. I know is. that. Yeah, great. Someone else is going through it too. Jeez, yeah. that's a really good point because there's probably kids who are reading. Yeah, there's kids who are reading that who's like, okay, right. I right. guess this is normal. Right. Like, <laughs> and to our point earlier, probably helps like 
the little Lord Fauntleroys like me who are like, <laughs> oh, not everyone has a great home life. Like yeah. maybe, maybe give cut people some slack. Right, right. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, which is, I think, all which are all things I think that still allow me to gravitate towards them yeah. in this weird way where I'm like, I know I'm not the target audience for this, but <laughs> but I think there, I there's that argument that we just need to stop classifying every yeah. you know like because it's almost um what's a, uh it's like condescending to be like yes. it was a good mystery it's like no it was a good book like yes. it's good for a young adult no no it's well written right like it's just a it's just a good book yes like, period end of sentence i totally agree i think i would definitely say that about john green's stuff yeah. and i mean obviously like culture is saying that too mm-hmm. as because they're all you know getting made into movies now. yeah um uh, you did know that, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I was aware. <laughs> a Vault in Our Stars. That's a movie. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so um, maybe not consciously as um, much as you would when you were young. Okay, so how about, like, to me, when I hear mysteries, um, t- crime drama kind of gets conflated with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So do you... S- does it kind of stop at like traditional quote unquote mysteries or is it a larger umbrella of? Yeah, I think, um, and are you talking about like, does it just stick to like books or does it like uh, kind of like police procedurals? Yeah, and stuff? exactly. Yeah. There's, Anything. um, this series by this Irish author, Tana French, um, where she, uh, she follows each mystery centers on a different member of, uh, of this homicide squad in Dublin. And so the, I think like the first, I'm going to get their character names wrong. So her first book is called in the woods and it's from the point of view of this guy, Rob, um, who, when he was like, so again, like in one of my favorite tropes, something awful that happened 20 years earlier, (laughs) um, finally gets a haunted past. Yeah. comes back. (laughs) So when he was 12, he went into the woods, um, by his home, with his two best friends and uh then like he was found 24 hours later tied to a tree i think his shoes were filled with blood he w- he was beaten up and he they never found oh the, my the two boys he went in with like, so they know they don't know what happened <gasps> like they never found bodies they never found like were they kidnapped were they murdered Whoa. um and uh and he has no memory of those times so then Ooh. flash forward to 20 years later um he's a detective and i think he somehow changed his name and the body of a 13 year old girl is found close where he was in like a similar situation yeah she's um i think she's been like she's been gutted open or something by this construction site and so he's the homicide detective on the case and it's in real life like it would and they they each of her books makes Asks you to make a big um, uh, suspension of uh, disbelief. Exactly, suspension of disbelief. Um, (laughs) You're like you're either you're either with it or you're not. Right. And and she's kind of like, I don't care. Like, if you're not, great. I'm still gonna write this book. I mean, at some point, I think a lot of people cite things like that as like, there's no way that would happen. And it's it's like, like, yes, you're right, but. This is a book, or yeah. this is a movie, and like if everything in books and movies happened in real life, that it wouldn't be as like it'd be harder to find hooks into yes. stories. And there's also that weird thing. It's like, yeah, but it 
also could happen because yeah. then you read like you see those crazy documentaries of you know where it's like sure. I can't Im- I would never have believed this if it was I would I only could watch this as a documentary because I would not believe it if it was a a movie fictional Fic- yeah. yeah sure sure so yeah so he and his partner and I can't remember her name um, they're the ones investigating mm-hmm. and then like the next book is called the like I think her name's Cassie so do people does anyone know about the fact that that was him as a kid no he okay. and he knows that if they find out he's gonna They'd be off take the, him case, off the but case he has to but he's yeah. so driven yeah. oh man and so, um, and then the next book is from Cassie's point of view. Cool. And then, and there'll always be like a kind of a peripheral person that like somehow crosses their frame. And then like Comes the next, in the book, next is, book Yeah. Um, that sounds really interesting. I love series that do that. Yeah. And I mean, you can, I think you can dive into it at any point. You mm-hmm. don't like it's, I don't even know if they, it would be labeled this. I, I think they are called like the Dublin homicide squad, but Companions um, or something. yeah, but you don't have to read them in order or anything. Um, but yeah, I do love those. There's what's that. Uh, I never finished it cause I lost it. Um, <laughs> and it but it, 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 I think I was too, f- Oh gosh, what's that guy's name? Um, Richard price. Uh, he wrote this book called, remember what it is but it's about like a 35 year old bartender um lush life i think Uh. lush uh but he's like kind of a past past his prime like struggling writer who's stuck in this like what once cool job as a bartender and then (laughs) um and now like i think it was like a cool job to have when he was like 28 and now it's 35 people are like oh yeah yeah um which had certain resonances <laughs> to me at the time. <laughs> I was like, Ugh, Richard Price. <laughs> <laughs> Too close to home. You know about long-form improv. <laughs> <laughs> and, but that He's wa- a bartender uh, yeah. in, uh, yeah. in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he had a... Uh, there's a, a whole... He keeps ex- paying for bartender <laughs> classes. <laughs> <I> know, <right? laughs> Hoping to make a bartending team <laughs> or go on a bartending cruise, <laughs> a bartending main stage. So that he can quit his <laughs> um, side job of... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, a hedge fund manager. Yeah. <laughs> but that one, like, his, I think his books are always heralded as having super authentic um, police uh, dialogue. There's, there's a whole extended thing of this guy the bartender getting pulled in as a suspect and getting interrogated oh and the that's two, so funny oh and it's so stressful it's like a uh, law and order yeah. but if it was one guy throughout the whole mm-hmm. thing <laughs> but uh, and it's uh, like it's kind of a tour de force of writing because it's i think it's told you you kind of get into all three people's heads and you know you have no idea if he's innocent or guilty or oh cool. um but uh and like and you also see the detectives having to like like I don't think it's the guy but like we have to do this or uh, you know they're mm-hmm. just being at a certain point they're just being cruel to an innocent person right. and all the, t- the time I was like I know there's no way to like protect yourself from I mean there are certain ways but like if I was ever interrogated In I would just fucking cry <laughs> and confess yeah. to whatever and right. then that's the thing is yeah. I feel like those kind of stories um I, I uh I work 
um, we teach professional classes, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes we teach them to uh, lawyers. And so every once in a while they'll be talking about like and they're all defense attorneys. So they'll be talking about like um, you know one of their clients who was given like. Um, one guy was like, this woman had a tray of pot brownies, uh-huh. and because of the like uh, county that she was arrested in, the way that they, uh, you know, um, charged her was that they charged her the entire weight of the brownies. And not the weight of the pot. Right. So she got... The charge was like life. Yeah. Was her, their initial offer was life in jail because it was like, you know, like selling type charges and things like that. And, uh, and so, you know, he's like, so I went back and, you know, got him to get, make the original offer 25 years. And then like, by the time you were, I I was like, okay, well, I'm going to take this to court. And like all these things that are just like horror stories, you know, and they're just talking about like. That's the way. And they'll, you know, go back and forth for like, yeah, the prosecution offered this and the judge did this. And I'm like, it's such a it's such a crazy window into like how the legal system works. Yeah. And it's like you're saying like there, I'm sure there are people who, um, you know, would just confess to something to try to right. like, you know, because, you know, if the deal is that if you confess, you'll mm-hmm. only get three years versus if it goes to court you might have a you don't know what's going to happen with that jury they're not going to like it's you it's terrifying yeah. man it's so yeah. scary but it's like are there better ways to do it uh. I, mean, I think we can figure it out <laughs> I'm on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's get down to brass tacks. <laughs> That's really what I wanted to come talk to you about. This is like your average podcast. <laughs> We're solving all of America's legal <laughs> troubles. Um, so I think that uh, it's funny that you say that, though, that you're trying to like put yourself into the position of the mystery. Because I feel like that's human nature. To, oh, right, like, right. How do you not want... To you know, go like, what would I do in this situation? Yeah. Or um, uh, even the idea of like an unreliable narrator. I'm oh, sure which there I are love. things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because there's a famous Agatha Christie one where, like, yeah, there. I think I actually um, there there are two that I think unreliable narrators and mysteries are my favorite. When like, I can't. There's imagine a big how, drop. Yeah. like you know, at the last 20 pages, like, oh, did I mention blah, blah, blah. Right. um, There's this awesome one, the 13th tale. I can't remember who the lady is who wrote it, but it's like, it seems like it should, she wrote it in the style of like, um, maybe Daphne du Maurier or like, but that's, uh, but it seems like it should have been written like 50 or 60 years ago, but she, like she copied that style perfectly. Oh, and it, sure. I think it takes place around like World War II or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about, um, or maybe it takes place. In pre- I think the whole. I can't remember. It's like a, a a young woman interviewing. She gets hired to find out this old lady's story, and I think oh. she's telling, and the old lady's telling her about things that happened. So it's hard to place forty an years actual, ago. Yeah. yeah, I read it like six or seven years ago. Um, so I'm dusty with the details, but, <laughs> but it has like, yeah, you find out something at the, 
I mean, it's it's almost like that Sixth Sense thing where you're like, oh, oh Bruce Willis is a ghost. Right, okay, right. now I have to go back and like watch the see movie how they through did this. Yes, that yeah. lens. Yeah. There's another one, Gentlemen and Players by Joanne Harris, um, which takes place at a boarding school, and which is another like, if if it, if anything takes place in a boarding school, I'm like, you're I'm in. in. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> Did you go to a boarding school? No, no. That's just like you. And I don't. I I didn't want to at all. But like, I think I probably saw Dead Poet Society at the right time. Right. Like, this is the way to do it. Uh, you know, <laughs> but, I, it is a very specific, yeah. you know, culture. Mm-hmm. A lot of specific character types yeah. of you know the kid who his parents just didn't know what to do with him. Right. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is this is like one kid. It's it's his seventh school in two yeah. years. So and so's got his entire life mapped out down to each semester. Right, and like everything gets thrown. And then there's like the one poor kid who's there on mm-hmm. scholarship and yeah. can't relate to anybody. Right, and they all know he's poor, so they <laughs> <Yeah>. hate him. <laughs> It is funny how you could set something up that, like, seemingly something, such a small detail, just like the setting like that. And you're oh, like, yeah. oh, I'm in. Yes. yes. I got yes. Stop talking. Stop talking. I've already <laughs> given you my money. <laughs> just put it in front of me. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think? Um, have you ever considered, like, doing something creative that involves a mystery? Yeah, I think um, – yeah, I would like to. I don't know. I've I've never written one or anything, but um yeah, I I think it would be fun to do like a web series or oh, yeah. um or something I don't know, or something bigger that would be Especially I feel like comedy and mystery aren't necessarily things that overlap very yeah. frequently. I'm trying to think. Um, cuz yeah. I mean, Clue the movie is great. I was just like Clue. <laughs> Clue also like hit me in the sweet spot where I think I saw that I was probably like eight or nine when it came out, and mm-hmm. um, but I I think I would rent that. I think I saw it seven times, like in the first year, because Star Wars had been on network TV like around the same time I saw Clue for the first time, uh-huh. and uh, and at the commercials they would have like. These big groups of people who are like, you know, we're the Providence, Rhode Island Star Wars Club. We've seen Star Wars 15 times. Yeah. We're the the Johnson family. We've seen Star Wars 37 uh, times. God. And so I, in my mind, that was like, oh, the if you like you something, did, you're you supposed to see. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. And I also thought Clue was in the same, like, Clue is clearly going to be the same cultural importance <laughs> as Star Wars. We're all going to be cosplaying as Eileen Brennan and Martin Mull. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was like the ef- special effects in Clue right, right. never happened before. Yeah. But they did do something pretty revolutionary with like the different endings. Yeah. You know, maybe if they if they had like, you know, 30 different endings. I know. There's just like three, right? Yeah. It was, uh, and I do remember like in the newspaper you could you would see like 
oh, the Brockton movie theater is playing Clue A and the Hanover <gasps> Mall is playing Clue B. I didn't B. realize that. Yeah. That's cool. So it was a marketing thing to encourage you to see the movie more than At one. At least yeah. three times. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, that's so funny that you like mentally. <laughs> and I think it was a little them. bit like um, crazy showbiz kid where I was like, all right, well, I just need to be ready when Clue starts being played on network TV because I will be one of those people like, I'm Brendan Dowling and I've seen Clue 11 times. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, and also like uh, just so t- I think the nature of fandom. Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. It says a lot about that because I think people underestimate that there can be. I mean, like I think fans of Star Wars are just some of the loudest uh-huh. and nerdiest. But you know, you can find fans. I'm sure there are other kids who watched Clue. Yeah, I feel like times. Clue, and I think Clue is something that, um, you know, unlike Goonies, it's aged really well. Yes, and, uh, agreed. And especially if you're in comedy, you watch it now with a different appreciation for than sure. you were, like when you were a little kid. For sure, for sure. But that is fun. I'm like, how would I act if I ever met someone from Clue? Like, I mean, <laughs> you almost feel weird to sit like. I mean, is it, like, insulting to say to Michael McKean, like, Clue meant a lot to me like, <laughs> when I was, like... <laughs> I feel like that would be a compliment. Yeah. Especially for... I also think that, to me, thinking about um, figures like that, I mean, Michael McKean, I'm sure people would cite, you know, Christopher Guest right, and things right. like that. I feel like Clue is, like a little more specific yeah. than that. And I watched a ton of TV when I was a little kid, so I would have already known him as um, Lenny on Laverne and Shirley. Oh, and so sure. I think that was also, not like the first time, but when I was like, oh, you like- You're also from this. What range? <laughs> <laughs> Martin Mulls too. Just uh, yeah. Like <laughs> oh, the dad from Mr. Mom is now- what, What's his- He's Colonel Must- Third, right? I think you're right, yeah. And what's it? Did he give names to what's it, what's like Colonel Mustard's secret? Oh, did I he, can't remember. I and like Clue is such a funny if thing. If you can't, I yeah. certainly can't. But kind of, I think maybe another th- what we're talking about with Encyclopedia Brown, where like Clue taught me about um, like the uh, HUAC hearings because that's a um, that's a that's one of the people's secrets that they oh, testified. Uh, right. To com- yes. Communist hearings. I remember this. Yes. Yes. And so it's yes, just funny. Yes. It's like aimed at, I, I don't, was it marketed? It wasn't a kid's movie. It was just a no. comedy, but like, um, I think just having that explained to me or like Leslie and Warren's a DC madam. Right. Um, that's so hilarious. Yeah. That's like, but also a very, um, like <laughs> to have, uh, you know, to have been a part of those hearings would be such a like social weird yeah. faux pas at the time, right? <laughs> and kind of on the same, th- like, wait, why is it a big deal? Because M- Michael McKean's character is gay, I think, right? And I think I that's think what he's right. trying to. Where it's like, well, why would he? Did, was he working for the army or something? Like, why did he? Oh, feel like it. Yeah, or like, did he just not? But I mean, it's like, why was that such high stakes that he had to hide it? Right. In the fifties, and then you're like, "Oh, oh, wait! <laughs> this movie is teaching you about the 1950s." <laughs> it it would be that high yeah. stakes, <laughs> yeah, <then>. right, right. <laughs> 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 
Oh, right. We have come a long way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, we're getting there. <laughs> Maybe? I was going to say, <laughs> what is it? I think that's a hairspray thing. Comes so far, but we've got so far to go. Oh, no, I've never seen... <laughs> Oh, that you're unfamiliar with Hairspray? I've seen, I I watched the, like, Ricky Lake version mm -hmm. a ton. Mm -hmm. I mean, by a ton, like, four times. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, I saw it once, yeah. maybe all the way through on TV. Yeah. Um, I think that kind of, that again, I was probably, when that came out, like, 89, 88? Mm, that sounds about right. But, like, yeah, so I was in middle school, like, in my prime <laughs> video renting. Yeah. <laughs> in my video renting peak. Um <laughs> And I think that was also on cable a lot. It's like, mm -hmm. and it's such a fun, pleasant movie. Mm -hmm. um, but I've never seen the musical. But I do like that. What's the "You Can't Stop the Beat"? Oh, that song is undeniable. <laughs> I mean, like, what is it about that song? Because I've never, yeah. Like somehow I got caught, and maybe I was homesick, or like, I mean, I wasn't. No, I'll just be honest. Like I was just <laughs> sitting slack jawed in front of my computer, <laughs> like. <laughs> pressing like replay, you replay. Yeah. but also in a really sad way of like i'll watch you can't stop the beat on the macy's day parade from 2002 uh -oh. what else you got you YouTube? Went down, like a rabbit right, hole like, of you can't stop the beat oh the plane high school 2011 you can't stop the beat what do you got for into yourselves it. yeah um they, yeah two things that i'll be i'm super into uh murder mystery set in boarding schools and you can't stop the beat youtube performances <laughs> What if someone a boarding school had performed oh. hot hairspray? Can you imagine? <laughs> I would. That's that's my that is, series. That's <laughs> the next uh, Venn diagram. That like, what if I I hadn't said what if? I was just yeah. like, Brandon, you know yeah. that there is a boarding school production of hairspray on YouTube in its entirety. Forty two yeah. thirty five is where you can't stop the beat comes in. And you, like, leave here, <laughs> furiously googling. Anyway, I have to go. I'm going to Costello. Do you have anything? Um, John Pernasek was on the show recently, and he told me he went down a YouTube rabbit hole of watching um, white women sing uh, "And I Am oh, Telling You." Oh yeah, <laughs> and it's all from like the mid or late '80s. Yeah, and he was like on pageants, and, and I stuff. couldn't stop watching mm -hmm. them and they were all so bad and i just and i was like yeah i mean i've been there man like <laughs> yeah oh, I, you know what else you should watch uh, <laughs> you guys on the beat uh, yeah my friend clarence like this is like six or seven i'm i'm, I'm saying my friend clarence because i feel like he needs credit for the clarence coup uh, um give credit where credit's due mm -hmm. he told me about uh watching High school productions of Miss Saigon, <laughs> of YouTube, because it's never um, it's never racially appropriate. Appropriate, um, sure. And yeah, it's like the Wiz. Like yeah. there's never a <laughs> yeah. high school production of yeah. the Wiz that's actually appropriately right. cast. Uh, yeah, and uh, and then it's also, I mean, there must be a high school version of it that they can do, but like, it's primary. It's like super hot, um, like. High school girls like it'll be fun to dress up as prostitutes. Yeah, um, yeah. What a weird. Like it's so. <laughs> there's so many themes in there know, that don't need to be in a high school. Right. Show. Yeah. Um, and then like the all the guys probably look. Actually, they. Pro I mean, they don't look like like if you like the Broadway productions, it's all these like jacked. Broadway, sure. Like oh. Sure. And then it's like 
90 pound kids uh, who yeah yeah, yeah. was like well they, there's probably something to be said about like that's what the soldiers in vietnam actually looked like um yeah. but um but yeah it's like they, they, it's like the, we were taking the, it the, to the frailest extremes. looking yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have these boy soldiers yeah <laughs> the heat is on in saigon <laughs> I will watch like the uh, like the Miss Saigon's "You Can't Stop the Beat" for me is um, I still believe. Uh huh. I will. F- oh man, I'm like, <laughs> like when I'm in an old age home, <laughs> my morphine tab will just be like. <laughs> It's connected to your TV, yeah. and then you just press the button, and uh, it like randomizes three video, like three choices, <laughs> three choices. Is you can't stop the beat, yeah. uh, and the, you don't know where where it's going to be coming from. Right. That's the surprise. You don't know which song, and uh, mm-hmm. could be you know, like you said, like the 2004 Tony. Yeah, <laughs> that's that should be like a game show. Um, like they we're gonna play. We're gonna we're gonna play a YouTube video of you can't stop the beat. Is it from the 2002 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade? Is it from September 15th, 2004? Good Morning America. Oh, this, is it from Glee? Yeah, like I was gonna say, this is a softball. This is the James Marsden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, was it Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah. Uh, oh man, I, I just watched cast? it yesterday. Um, because of the whiz. Oh, really? Because the guy who is going to play um Oh, Scarecrow I want to say is uh um, he's Amanda Bynes' boyfriend right. in uh, his name's Elijah Kelly, but I don't know what his know. name in, um, on the what the I'm h- trying to think of is. the line from uh the song about without love cuz she oh, yeah, says yeah. his name like in my ivory tower like, you're you're singing a song that i've never heard that because i only <laughs> listen to you can't stop the beat i've heard it i i know the end of that line is now i've tasted chocolate and i ain't never going yeah. back but yeah i knew his i knew his actual name was elijah or something yeah. but i also don't remember his that's cool that's that cast is shaping up that i feel like they're doing it right after i think so too a couple um, of floppies. Yeah. And it's... Uh, wait, what did they do last... Oh, Peter Pan. Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't watch... I watched the very beginning. I think I had to go to a show or something. So I watched the very beginning, and I was like, okay, I get it. And then I heard that Christopher Walken was yeah, like not able to sing at all, so that sounded uninteresting. The, the sword fight between Allison Williams and Christopher Walken's real sad to watch like weird <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah just because it's so slow right um, and th- so it doesn't there's no stakes um, right that sounds yeah. so bizarre it just seemed like it was setting people up i guess uh, at least with the sound of music you're taking something that people have a you know a connection to or mm-hmm. um i don't think peter pan exists in the same way not in live action. Yeah. No. I, I think, yeah. I mean, any my parents did take me to see Sandy Duncan. Oh. And, yeah. and Mr. Belvedere was Captain Hook. Yeah. Christopher Hewitt. I think everyone, <laughs> that's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think everyone knows, like, was it Mary, Mary, Barry? Who's the woman who played, like, really famously? Oh, Mary Martin? Yeah, Mary yeah. Martin. Um, 
I think that's what people associate with yeah. you know, the stage version of Peter Pan. But like you said, no one has like it's not Julia Andrews. <laughs> right, right, right. Although I will say after th- I, because th- I, I think I, I didn't watch it, but I just watched like a bunch of the Hulu clips. Um, mm-hmm. And then I went down a YouTube rabbit hole of like watching Kathy Rigby's Last Night. Yes. Um, uh, as Peter Pan and. I had zero opinion about Kathy Rigby going in, and then by the Coming end, you're out. like, "She is an American hero." <laughs> the kind of work that that takes to perform that show. Yeah, like, that's amazing. Uh, that's so fun. When I was little, um, I was probably like nine or ten. Um, I was a lost boy in Peter oh, Pan, yeah, yeah. and my dad was Captain Hook. So I have this like very specific relationship to it. And it was a musical. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, this was just in, like, community mm-hmm. theater. Um, but uh, we had a female Peter Pan. Because uh, you always do, right? It seems like it. Yeah. Uh, but it's kind of, I wish there were more things that were like that. There were just, like, iconic roles that had oh, always yeah. been filled by When my high cast. school did... Um, my mom worked at the high school that I uh, in the town I grew up in, the high school that I went to. So I would see, we would just always go to the um, plays and stuff when I was in elementary school. And I, when they did Oliver, mm. um, a woman played uh, Oliver Twist. Nice. So I'm just throwing that out there, listeners. If uh, you need, <laughs> you can have gender fluid casting <laughs> and all. And they, she played a boy. They didn't. Um, Try to yeah. change it to like Olive- yeah, Olivia. Olivia Twist. <laughs> Olivia Twist. <laughs> Getting kidnapped by Fagin the Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia Twist, though, that sounds like a, a like straight to that's a video. CW movie, yeah, like right, a CW right. series. Like. Right. Yes. <laughs> She's on her iPod. Oh God. Yes. She's hacking into the banks to pickpocket the rich. We're joking, but yeah. someone would I mean, pitch slash buy that. <laughs> Mary Beth and I just copyrighted that idea. Yeah, you can't. no one take this. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> no, this is our idea. It's, uh, it's okay to do gender fluid casting of right. Oliver in yeah. your um, local hometown theater, but. <laughs> but it probably also me. I bet they did it because that, cause that's, that part's usually played by a little boy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like. So if but if you're doing it in a high school where the voices have already changed, uh, it's, yeah, the music is only in the range of, of a, a woman. woman. That makes sense. All right, so good uh. on you, Duxbury High School <laughs> in the eighties. No telling what you've done between then and now, but you know, oh, they've they've had some triumphs. <laughs> <laughs> Does your mom still teach there? No, she retired. Uh, she left there in the nineties and then went to another school system and she retired. Uh, I think she's now officially retired. She keeps like. Going back and forth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I um, feel like that's such a teacher thing. Yeah, um, and she's able to job share and stuff. So, nice. Yeah. Uh, do you think that your parents had anything to do with your like mystery interests? Well, they're both big readers, and they both love – they both do – my mom reads a lot of mysteries. Um, yeah, and like specifically – Do I you think, guys ever recommend things to one another? Yeah, and I th- but we all have different tastes. I mean, I think there's some overlap. Um, like – my dad definitely likes like uh, police procedurals and like police series. Yeah, um, my dad's I'd... favorite show is Navy NCIS, oh. <laughs> 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 which is hilarious. <laughs> and like I remember in high school, we used to make like because they would go to the library every week, and like my dad's books 
we're always like Detroit 1971. Oh, sure. Caught in a heat wave and the grip of a crime lord, Detective uh-huh. Mitch Sharsky has to overcome a heroin addiction and an addiction to Legsy Malone. Sure. Pre- yeah, um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a gross overstatement of the books that my dad reads. And but my, uh, yeah. It's but I mean that's a very specific yeah. you know genre. Um, yeah, and like, and my mom, uh, I think at the time, I bet we were all watching Mystery together, mm-hmm. um, and then I started reading Ag- Agatha Christie books off of that, and then there's also this writer, Martha Grimes, who is someone who I have like, if you were like, is she a good writer or is a bad writer? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, c- I can't be objective about it. Like, <laughs> oh. I just know, like please don't make me say anything bad about her because I just really like her books and <laughs> I can't remember any of them. Uh, don't say anything mean about them. Cause you're right. just going to hurt my feelings. <laughs> like we can't be friends anymore. Uh, but she has a series where it's um, that like I've, it's kind of, they, they're kind of my comfort food too, but like they're, uh, I, I read those probably starting in like seventh grade or whatever. And they're in the eighties. They were like, it's funny to read her most recent books now because they still take place in the pre- they take place in like con- contemporary times mm-hmm. but it would mean that the characters are like in their s- the characters still oh, act if and are described had- and are like having the same issues that they would have had in the f- like when they were in their 40s mm-hmm. like in the 80s and it um and it, I read like her most recent one and it really pulled me out cuz I was like I feel like a 64-year-old guy should have this figured That's out by now. That's so like, funny. Um, so she doesn't pur- – so it, she purportedly they have aged along with the books yeah, or something. Um, yeah, maybe – I might not be fair in that sense, but, like, it it, it did seem like uh, – maybe she's more oblique about describing them physically, but um, and maybe it's just my own ageism because it's like – well, why can't they like be dating and like sure. having like effed up relationships or whatever? But at um, that age, right? But yeah, her most recent one had this like Gonzo ending that I could not. It involved like it made zero. I was like, <laughs> uh, I'm like, it was so convoluted. I I really like convoluted um, mm-hmm. endings too, and uh, it. But, but it, you it, want it to make sense. You yeah. want pieces to fall into place, and it's uh, and it's also like this. It involved like a guy dressing up as a woman, mm. and like, um, like there was a beautiful blonde woman, and then I think she gets killed. But like he dresses up as oh. her so that like they Weird. cannot, they won't be able to pin down the time of. And it's like deliberately in a sleeveless gown. I'm like, uh, I don't think anybody would. <laughs> Is going to be like, and it's not like he's been set up as like a brilliant drag artist or whatever. Right, <laughs> like it's, right. Uh, like Some a guy people who, saw a man in a wig uh, yeah. and thought it was the same person. No, I don't okay. think so. <laughs> uh, uh, do you find yourself uh, that reminded me of Robert Durst? Oh, uh, I haven't yet. But you haven't seen the Jinx. I have not. So uh, I was gonna ask: Do you find yourself like? Do you are you interested in like real? Like mystery type oh, yeah. stories. Yeah, Starly Kind has that podcast mystery, and I listened to the Britney Spears episode. I was gonna say it just yeah. started, right? Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't like true crime. I mean, I not that I don't like it, but I just never seek it out. I don't read a lot of nonfiction. 
or watch a lot of documentaries mm-hmm. um, out of habit, I guess. And mm-hmm. maybe if I just made myself, I would. Uh, because yeah. whenever I watch one, I'm like, this was great. Oh, sure. Um, but I, it, it it's nev- not something you. Yeah. For whatever reason, it's not like. I don't think there's like, anything wrong yeah. with that. But it's fun. Like when you meet someone who's passionate about true crime books, they always have a list. Of, like they're kind of yes. evangelical about it. And like, oh, you need to read blah, blah, blah. So true. Um, which I think. And kind of what we were saying before, where like a lot of times they're so stranger than fiction that yeah they're so compelling or whatever yeah i was gonna say i'm sure that's how a lot of because i same way in my experience all my friends i know who are into like reading true Mm -hmm. crime um are so into it and you know are so interested in the craziest yeah uh storylines but yeah i was just curious because i feel like that genre is becoming so with like cereal and the mm-hmm. jinx were both so like huge uh, yeah and um, i listened to the fr- i listened to the pilot of the cereal mm-hmm. and i was like this is great like, I never listened listened. To, yeah, like <laughs> it's a weird thing man it's very <laughs> strange to dissect someone's life that closely yeah for such a large audience and something that happened so long ago, like yeah. And when did, when was that crime? Like ninety nine? Yeah, I want to say like fifteen years ago for like before it had been recorded and everything. So everything you're doing and talking about and like speculating mm-hmm. happened so long ago that it's like near impossible to actually uncover any, you know, legitimate factual evidence mm-hmm. i yeah. don't know it's just such a i listen to the whole thing and i still have a complicated relationship yeah. with uh with it and it's like is she trying to actually find justice or is she just trying to tell a good story yeah or so that's kind of like why i brought it up in the first place because there i mean there's a lot of storytelling involved in both of those yeah. things um and i think that's what makes them you know intriguing yeah, and there are some journalists I follow on Twitter who I think some of them were of two minds about serial, like, in, like, viewing it through a journalism lens where it's like, this is irresponsible to yeah. just be making this up as you go along. Like, to not, to be reporting stuff before you know, like, the whole story. It was crazy, yeah. Um, and then some people are like, what a high wire act. This is like, she's giving you a glimpse of what it is to be following a story and, like, what it is to be an investigative journalist and giving you a glimpse into that world that you otherwise wouldn't get. Yeah. But I just think, I think I probably, if I had to, you know, teeter on one side of the other, I think it's, I think there were aspects of it that were pretty irresponsible. Yeah. Especially with how much attention it garnered so quickly. Right. And I mean, like, like, is that people on the internet trying to like solve the mystery? And that's, kind of insane and like i'm sure the people that she was doing it about and no you're right yeah. it's not necessarily her fault you know sarah koenig or whatever her name is couldn't have please come on mbs <laughs> you're always welcome sarah on the show koenig, um if you're listening <laughs> which you never will i'm sure um i'd love to have you on to talk about your love of adnan site what's this one star review of mbsing from <laughs> s koenig 73 <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't her, you know, I'm sure she had no concept of how much it would, you know, catch fire like that. Um, It was just more of an experience, experiment seemingly Mm -hmm. than anything else. But 
That's dangerous, man. You have like Reddit threads of people trying to like comb through oh, yeah. these people's lives. It's just so it's such a level of exposure that I don't think any of them really ask for. Yeah, like oh gosh, yeah. Anywho, mm. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you'd feel remiss if you didn't touch mm. on it? Any other like favorites or I don't know. I think no. I think that's. Um, well, I also like how, uh, I mean, we never talked about, like, TV. Yeah, not and, too but much. Like, um, like, I got real into The Good Wife last oh, year. Really? and uh and I And what was fun to watch it in a compressed amount of time was how it st- started to stray from, um, like, you would find out who was guilty Did or who something. was innocent, yeah. um, like, who, who did the murder. And then, like, in later seasons it's almost like they're like deliberately it's like it's irrelevant yeah like you don't find out like weird um whether the person actually did it or not and like it's because no one knows is the good wife a mystery like is it the best show on television (laughs) thank you for asking mbs like agatha christie Uh, i have moved you like a pawn to this moment checkmate Is The Good Wife the best show on television? Uh, well, I would say... <laughs> I love that you didn't even answer in the affirmative. After <laughs> well, because right now I'm like, I, I think I would have to say Unreal is the best oh, show. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, we talked about that the last time I saw you. Oh, man. I, I feel I like I've been talking about it with still everyone. have yet to check it out. Well, I have to. I, Has the first season ended yet? Yeah, it's 10 episodes. Okay. I feel like they stick the landing. Ooh, yeah, because when I talked to you, you were unsure yeah. if they were going to be able to pull it off. Yeah, oh, they, now I'm definitely excited. Like, I never, I don't play sports or anything, but I always use sport. I like, I always think of like sports metaphors. Yeah. But I talk about like, they just threw the ball as hard as they can, and then they caught it. Like, <laughs> they swung for the yeah. bases and hit it out of the park. Yeah. Um. What? So the Good Wife is a mystery. Well, it's like, like um, it? a legal procedural. Right. Um. So I. So each episode um has a uh has a has a case that they follow and it usually gets wrapped up sometimes it like extends over like four or five but like there's no overarching mm-hmm. um mystery and so mm-hmm. i think like the first couple of seasons it's very um it's very concise in terms of like there's always something like some piece of evidence that they find or some bit of investigation that they do that um you know uh, flips it and then and they also show like the the constraints of the law too of like you know sure um I feel like if you're writing about that, you just have to, you know? Yeah. Like, it's undeniable that <laughs> the system is. Uh, yeah. Well. But my other, fa- I mean, I know you've already done an episode. of. I just listened to it last week, the Veronica Mars. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, that was yeah. an early one. Yeah. Oh, I did it. Well, because what I like about this podcast is, like, you could just scroll. Like, Topic-wise. Oh, I, I want to know about that. Yes. Um, I, I, uh, I've had, I know when Andy Junk um started listening and he was so sweet because he told me like after the first one he listened to i saw him one day a few months later and he was like mary beth i went through and listened to everyone that i knew and then i went back and listened to all the topics that i thought were interesting and then i went back and listened to the rest and i was like i can't believe you did that like that's (laughs) crazy to me um but that is cool i think it's uh a good entry point whenever people are like what should i listen to i'm like just 
find a person or a thing yeah. that you think is interesting because like it's usually someone in the community right um so then you have the the like personal entryway but that's cool yeah. but lauren was talking about that i mean like because also mysteries are a way to tackle things um that you and we kind of talked about this another thing but like um you can examine different social issues or um but like through the lens of a mystery so and she didn't say this but it's almost like you're getting like your spoonful of sugar to help the medicine but like uh. you know veronica mars has all this tough stuff about like race and class and um you know rape culture and uh, um all through the guise of this super compelling mystery with like people ha like spouting off this whip smart clever dialogue uh -huh. and so then you know you might be like eight episodes in before you're like oh yeah wait um, i am kind of like i am thinking about how like terrifying it is to be a teen girl right now um yeah i i think that's cool i think that is more interesting to me than just reading about or mm -hmm. watching something that's supposed to be just kind of like yeah like a i don't know I was going to say One Tree Hill, but I don't know what that is. Know, Maybe they do handle it. There's someone who's like, Definitely. One Tree Hill is the unheralded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Chad Michael Murray's work. Is, <laughs> I, I also like it when people are super passionate about stuff like that. We're like, yes, I want to talk to the person who's like, you know. That's their favorite thing. One Tree Hill is like, he's doing Gandolfini level work yeah. in that show. <laughs> the shadings he's putting on that character. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's high wire acting. That's so funny. Uh, cool. Well, I'm glad you got to talk about the good wife. I'm glad <laughs> yeah. you you really uh, Agatha Christie'd me oh, here. Oh man, at the end. this was. <laughs> I mean, anytime I get to talk about the Westing game, the Good Wife, and Clue, I'm that's, happy. That's what MBS yeah. is all about, mm -hmm. man. It's just a platform because other people are going to listen to this and be like, "Oh my God, I loved the Westing game," and they're going to like send you. A it's a deep cut. I mean, like the I. <laughs> There was that Facebook thing like a couple of years ago where it's like, what are the 10 books that made the most to you? Um, oh, yeah. yeah I like, remember that. And everyone's like, uh, to kill a mockingbird. Right. Um, and it's like, which is unfair because it's just super hard to have like, if if a book meant a lot to you, then write it. But um, I think it's hard to have like a wide spectrum of books. Sure. But I did put the Westing game and like, I feel like that really got a lot of like, a lot like of response. I love that book. Like, That's so No fun. one ever talks about that. I but I do think that's like uh that's a cool thing to be able to discover about someone. It's something that you liked that or it's something you liked when you were younger yeah. that no one you knew liked. Mm -hmm. But like there were people everywhere doing having yeah. that same experience. Um okay. How do you feel like your love of mystery mm -hmm. and all, you know, iterations therein novels mm -hmm. tv film mm -hmm. have has influenced you both creatively and your life in general uh well i think creatively it um i mean mystery is like a has as a genre has taught me like kind of like what we were talking about with agatha christie where it's like she sketches a character super quickly and mm -hmm. you know exactly who that person is which i think is a helpful skill to have in improv yes um and so it also, like all those strong archetypes, um, I'm sure I've played in different shows a lot. And I think m maybe it's no surprise that like the the biggest performing things that I do, like um, like I used to 
to Baby Wants Candy and mm-hmm. now Improvised Shakespeare, where they're both genre sure. things that re- rely on you to play archetypes. Yes. Like I think mysteries taught me like how to um, to like recognize archetypes and then play them. Yeah, um, that makes a lot of sense. I never yeah. would have thought about it in that sense. And then, but like, uh, just as a person, I mean, I would like, I don't know, like, would it have made me more empathetic when you're thinking about, Someone. like, kind of what we were talking about, like, you never know where someone's coming from. Right. Um, but yeah, I think there, there definitely are a couple of books that I've read that have changed. There, like, have changed the way I've thought about certain issues. Um, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. Big fan, MB. Oh, I'm a big fan of your work, <laughs> not your podcast because you don't have one. But uh, yeah, I mean, I remember the first time I saw you do Improvised Shakespeare and I was like, this guy's good. <laughs> <laughs> you put out your cigar. Yeah, <laughs> this guy. He's got something. Yeah. Uh, and then, yes, I, sl- I swigged a bunch of scotch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And everyone in I.O. was very confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just like to imagine you in like a 1940s gangster outfit, just like sitting at a private table. But how cool would I look in like a pinstripe suit? It would be great. I mean, <laughs> with a giant fedora. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an idiot. Um, Me. Me. I'm talking and about. I mean, all of us. <laughs> That's the empathy that we, we need. There we go. Can the outro music for this be You Can't Stop the Beat? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I will do that for you, certainly. I will make note of it right now. And, uh, Brandon, thank you so much. Thank you, MB. I love you. I love you.
can't stop my happiness Cause I like the way I am And you just can't stop my knife and fork When I see a Christmas ham So if you don't like the way I look Well, I just don't give a damn Cause the world keeps spinning round and round And my heart's keeping time to the speed of sound I was lost till I heard the drums Till I found my way Cause you can't stop the beat Ever since the old world began A woman found out that she shook it She could shake up a man And so I'm gonna shake and shimmy It's the best that I can today Cause you can't stop the motion Of the ocean or the sun in the sky You can wonder if you wanna But I never ask why And if you try to put me down I'm gonna spit in your eye and say You can't stop the beat For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.